0: Please be seated. I don't know if somebody is trying to tell me something. I told Chuck. I don't know where Chuck went. Maybe Chuck, you know. Oh, he's back there. Okay. But uh, I was telling Chuck that today, I don't know what the deal was, but those of you that have email, you know every now and then you just get these random emails about all kinds of stuff, you know, and you try to send it to spam or whatever, but I don't really know how to do that. And so it just keeps coming over and over again. And, and today I had like four different emails that all had to do with improving your resume, looking for a new job, changing careers, and so if any of y'all forwarded that along to me, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, um, I don't know if somebody's trying to tell me something or not. Do you get easily distracted? Uh, there is, you know, a condition. Uh, in the old days it was called uh, ADD and now it's ADHD. And And the idea is, is that, you know, those who have that condition, it's very difficult for them to concentrate on something very long because they get distracted very easily. Uh, And those of us who have watched little kids play baseball, we understand how that is because when they're really little and they're just kind of learning and especially if they're in the outfield where nothing ever really happens, they're out there picking flowers or catching butterflies or whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden the ball gets hit out there and the coach is yelling and they don't even know what's going on. And then finally they see the ball and all nine of them go, you know, after the one ball. My wife tells me that I get distracted. That's hard for me to believe. But especially when we're driving. She gets to the point now where she refuses to show me something that's over there. Because if I look over there, she says I tend to swerve over there. Now I dispute that fact and there is no video evidence... To prove it, authorities and and studies in our country show that texting and driving is quickly becoming as dangerous or more dangerous than drinking and driving because we get distracted. I do remember a few years ago, it was an insurance company that was doing some sort of a uh, demonstration And they were showing teenagers because, you know, teenagers, not just teenagers, us as adults, we're no better. But we think that we can handle it. Oh, you might get distracted while you're texting. But I won't get distracted while I'm texting because I'll text with my phone up here. And I can look and and drive at the same time because that looks really safe, doesn't it? And so they fit these teenagers with this headgear, you know, that had a camera on it. And then they let them drive, and they they texted them back and forth while they were driving. And then they had them come back in, and they showed them the video. And the teenagers were astonished at how long their eyes were actually diverted away from the road while they were texting. Because in their mind, they weren't really distracted. But in reality, they were. Our story tonight has to do with being distracted, but it also has to do with how we spend our time. We are busy, busy people. That would describe almost all of us in 2019. Those of you that are retired, if you have the same experience as my parents... I always, you know, retire, you're gonna retire and you're gonna sit back and you, and then they said that they're more busy in retirement than they ever were when it was during working time. And so we all have this thing pull, we all have things pulling at us from every angle of our lives. But you know, time is, I think, our greatest resource. It's also the great equalizer. You know, You may be rich or you may be poor. You may be super intelligent. You may be not so much. You may be one of the beautiful people. We may be one of the beautiful people. Some of you may be not so much. But you know, when it comes to time, we all got the same. 24 hours a day. 365 or 66, depending on what the year is. You know, days out of the Nobody can add more time. You can't buy more time. You can't trade for more time. We all have the same amount of time. So what we tend to do, or at least I find myself tending to spend a lot of time putting out flash fires in my life. I'll set an agenda. I'll even come to the office sometimes and I'll say, okay, here's the the... Three things I've got to get done today. And before I'm even halfway through with the first one, this thing's come up or that phone is rung, or I got to go over here. or I got to do that. And before you know it, I'm busy doing all these other different things and never get around to the thing that I thought was important for the day. The danger is that we tend to neglect the most important things because we tend to focus on the most urgent things. And those aren't necessarily the same. Things. In Luke chapter 10, we first meet Jesus' friends, Mary and Martha. Now we know Mary and Martha. We know Mary and Martha because it's their brother Lazarus that Jesus raises from the dead in John chapter 11. We know Mary and Martha because it's at their house. Uh, they host Jesus right before he's about to be crucified and and Mary washes his feet and anoints him with with, uh, expensive perfume. But Luke chapter 10 is the first mention of Mary and Martha. And we're going to read this and, and I wonder as we read this if this is the first encounter that Jesus has had with Mary and Martha. Or had they known each other a little bit Before this, but look at chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Mary opened her home to him. And she had a, excuse me, Martha, a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted In my life, and perhaps yours, we find ourselves in a similar situation as uh, as Martha. Busy doing this thing, busy doing that thing, and never seem to find time for the most important things. And so tonight, I want us to look at uh, Martha and Mary and this story and see if we can gain some lessons. The first thing that I think is really important for us to understand is that Martha had good intentions. Notice it says that it was Martha who invited Jesus into the home. Perhaps Martha was the oldest. She's mentioned first, maybe so. Perhaps it was her home, maybe not Mary's. I don't know. We don't know for sure the situation going on there. Maybe she is the one who had heard Jesus first and offered the invitation. But whatever the case is, we can look at her intentions and they were noble. Now, ladies... Not so much us guys, because we're oblivious, okay? You know that about us. But ladies, how many of you can really relate to Martha? Can really relate to being the host and wanting to make sure that everything goes right? Wanting to make sure that everything is prepared properly? Wanting to make sure that the guest, especially Jesus, has everything that he... Wanting to make sure that it, you know... Most of you, I know my wife, can totally relate to Martha. Something interesting in this story that I'd never really seen before. But as I was on, you know, I Google. That may shock you. But I don't, you know, come up with these things behind the backdrops, you know. I don't come up with those on my own, you know. I don't create them. I can't do that. But I Google, you know. And I Google busy. And look Look what showed up. Now, I added the Luke 10, but you know, that was there. But before I googled too busy, I googled Mary and Martha. And then I wanted to see the pictures. See if there was a picture of Mary and Martha that would go well with our little story tonight. Visual aid. Every single picture that I saw had Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus... Martha in the background, cooking away or doing whatever. And that was it. But read the story again. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, Martha opened up her home. It says to him, but do you really think that Jesus was the only guest at the house? Ah. Uh-uh. I don't think so I think Martha invited all the disciples and it's bad enough to have one guest but to have a whole bunch of guests because you don't want to run out of food right you don't want to be like the 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 wedding in John chapter 2 you know where where you run out of stuff and so Martha is concerned about making sure that everything is right And in and of that, there's nothing wrong with it. Look at her intentions. They were noble. She showed hospitality. We talked about that this morning. She showed kindness. She showed a willingness to serve. But notice that when Jesus addresses her, he never questions her motives or her intentions. Our life can be full of good motives and good intentions. We can make noble plans for ourselves and for our families and for the church. Good intentions and good motives are important, but they're not the best. They're not the ultimate which kind of leads us to point number two, which is very similar. And that is that Martha was doing good. Not only were her intentions good, but her actions were good. Now, this story is not a referendum. And I kind of, as I was looking at this, I was saying, you know, this kind of goal, this almost flies in the face of what we see in James chapter one, where it says, don't be just of the word, but doers. And we're elsewhere, you know, we know that we're not supposed to, you know, we're supposed to actually be doing things. And who's the one that's doing things in this story? Martha. She's the one who's up and doing things. This is not a referendum on the difference between doing and listening. We understand that God wants us to do stuff. God does not intend for us to be monks. Off somewhere... Isolated from the world, spending hours and hours and hours and hours a day doing nothing but reading God's word. You know, there's some monks, that's that's what they do. They spend 16, 18 hours a day doing nothing but reading God's word. Now, reading God's word is important. But God has called us to be out in the world. God has called us to be doing good deeds. God has called us to be the light of the world. We can't be the light of the world if we're nowhere near the world. We can't be the light of the world if we never get into the world. We can't be the salt of the earth if we never get around the earth and in the world. And so that's not what he's talking about here. That's not what's going on. There is much good work to do and Martha, Martha saw the good work that needed to be done and she was doing it. So what's the problem? And where's the rub? You know, we spent, you know, the last however long, pretty much defending Martha, right? I mean, she had good intentions. She had good motives. And she was doing good things. So why is it that Jesus chastises her? Kind of rebukes her a little bit. Well, the reason is because Mary chose the better. Mary chose the better. Sometimes when it comes to priorities, it may not be what's good. It may be what's better or even what's best, as the case may be. She had good intentions, she had good work, but there was something better. At that particular time, there was something more important. There would be many meals. There would be many opportunities to serve. But how often would she have the opportunity to listen to Jesus? She could have listened to Jesus and cooked later. She could have listened to Jesus and Jesus certainly would not have complained if the food wasn't ready on time. There was something more important in that particular moment. At that time, the meal was not important. Showing hospitality was not the main thing. She was distracted by the important, but missed the most important. She was distracted by the good, but missed the better. If you're in Luke chapter 10, if you've got your Bibles open, just go back a little bit. Just follow back up into chapter 10 and notice the story that precedes this. I don't think necessarily that it's an accident. You remember the man came and said, uh, you know... What do I need to do? Well, you need to love your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan, right? We all know the story of the good Samaritan. The man was heading down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell amongst the thieves and he got beat and he got robbed and he was left half naked, half dead. And the priest came by and walked on the other side and the Levite came by and he walked on the other side. But the Samaritan came by and helped him out and took him to the end and bandaged him and all those different things. And for years, even perhaps myself, maybe when I preached the sermon on the Good Samaritan, which was not too long ago, we have vilified the priest and the Levite. We have made them to be the evil people who callously walked by on the other side. But think about that story again. The priest and the Levite did nothing wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't spit on the man as they went by. They didn't kick him some more. They didn't rummage around his clothes to see if he had anything left that he could be robbed of. They didn't overtly do anything wrong. And my guess is that the priest had some important things he needed to be doing. The Levite, I'm sure, had some Levitical ceremonial whatever's that he was on his way to do. Important stuff. Stuff that people would have been wondering, where are they? Why is the priest late? Why is the Levite late? Why can't we get services started on time? And so they had these important things to do. But they didn't see the most important thing that needed to be done right then. They, they were on their way to do good things. But they missed the better thing that needed to be done right then. I'm afraid in my life I get caught up a lot like that. And probably don't even realize it. You know, I wonder if you had questioned the priest and the Levite the next day. Tell me about your trip from Jerusalem to Jericho or Jericho to Jerusalem or whichever way they were going. And they'd tell you about the trip and the road and everything. What about the man that was beaten on the side of the road? What? There was a man beaten on the side of the road? Totally missed that. Or, oh yeah, I remember kind of seeing him out of the corner of my eye, or whatever. And I think a lot of times in my life, it's not so much that I intentionally neglect the better, I just don't see it. I am so distracted, I am so caught up in doing the good, the urgent. That I miss the better, or I miss the important. I don't know if Martha even really knew what Jesus was teaching. I don't know if she was so bitter towards Mary. I know how some of you ladies get. She's sitting over there, and I'm cleaning, and I'm scrubbing, and she just, you know, and banging pots so that she'll hear. None of you. And she got so caught up in all of that that she maybe just didn't even realize what was going on. But we need to make sure that we become like Mary and that we choose the better they had priorities, the the priest and Levite, they had important things to do. They, like Martha, simply overlooked the most important thing. We all make choices in our lives. So that leads us to our fourth point this evening, and that is that we need to choose the better. Are we choosing the better? When we prioritize our lives, when we make plans, when we determine how we are going to spend our time, how do we choose between the good and the good? And the better. We have good intentions. What we plan to do is good. Or at the very least not bad. So how do we determine. The better. And that. I believe involves. Having a close. Relationship. With God. Understanding what's really. Important to him. Helps us understand. (coughs) What ought to be really important. To us, parents, you know, we can, we can get our children involved in so many good things. There are so many good things out there to involve our children in. But we run the danger of getting so involved in all these good things That we don't leave time for the better things. Or the best things. We make time for this. We make time for that. And before you know it. Our whole calendar. Our whole days are filled. And we don't have time for Wednesday night church. We don't have time for this. We don't have time for that. And our children are doing good things. It's not that they're bad things. But they're not the best things. They're not the things that are going to matter in the end. They're not the things that are going to build that foundation. For our children. We need to decide what is most important for our children to be involved in. Be aware of the better. As we make our plans, look around and ask ourselves, is there a better? This may be good. This may be okay. But is there a better? Y'all seen the, the, uh, the new commercials about okay? I love them. Uh, the, 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 the guy's fixing to have surgery and, and the wife says, well, you've worked with Dr. So-and-so. Oh, yeah, he's okay. Oh, you don't ever want to hear that. Well, how's the sushi? Well, the sushi's okay. Oh, oh. You're one of the better break-fixing people, aren't you? Yeah, well, we're, we're okay. Or the tattoo person, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, settling for okay is not good enough sometimes, you know, I don't want, if I have to have open heart surgery, I don't want a cardiac surgeon who is okay. Uh, I want one that's really, 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 really good. I want the best. Oh, but you know, this one will cut you a break. (laughs) He'll be cheaper. (laughs) His mortality rate's 95%, but you know, anyway, that's okay. He's okay our service to God and how we live our lives and how we prioritize our lives. Okay is not necessarily good enough. Is there something else that will enhance our spiritual lives which is more important? Education, school activities, social activities are all important and have their place, but they should never distract us from the better. Should never distract us from the best. Jobs, vacation, recreation are all important. There's nothing wrong with those things, but they should never replace What is better? We don't want to present our lives to Jesus with all of our priorities and activities and have him say, You were distracted. You didn't see or you didn't choose the better. Life, life is all about choices. And I'm convinced, the older I get, that Satan... He's crafty, isn't he? He's smart. For most of us, as Sunday night, you know, faithful Christians, Satan is not going to be able to probably just throw out some dirty, filthy temptation and get us to bite. It may happen. He's not going to use that tactic on us. He's going to use a different tactic. I'm not going to get them just automatically one day just up and turn their back on God and go away. That's not going to happen. I'll tell you what. How about if I get them so involved in this and so involved in that and so involved in this other thing over here that are good things. See, they won't even realize what's happening. And they'll be so involved in all these good things that they'll be distracted and pulled away from the thing that is better. From the thing that is best. And I think that that's what Jesus was trying to tell Martha. Martha, Martha, he said. It's not that what you're doing is bad. You have good intentions. What you're doing is good. But for right now, Right here, the better thing, the most important thing is to sit down and listen to me like Mary's doing. There'll be time for cleaning up later. There'll be time for cooking later. So in our lives, we want to make sure that we don't get distracted by the good, that we forget the better. If you're here this evening, there's some way we can help or encourage you. We invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing.
1: We hope, by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D F I E L -D 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 D. COC dot org, or you can email at dfieldcoc seven seven nine at aol dot com, or you can call us at nine zero three six four five two eight nine six. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at eight one eight. West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.